Hello, this is Chad, and I'm here with Zach, and we're here for another episode of Zick and Wick. We're going to be covering The Mandalorian, season one, the finale, and uh, what's the name of this episode, do you know? This is Redemption. Okay, yeah, well, Redemption is the, the underwriting theme of basically this entire season, um, and we see a lot of it in this episode. Uh, but first, before we get into the episode and talking about what we liked, disliked, etc., um, a bit of housekeeping. We have an email address. The email address, if you want to ask us questions, have any requests or suggestions, is the email address is zickandwick at gmail.com. That is Z-I-C-K-A-N-D-W-I-C-K at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter page. It's the same thing, Zick and Wick, Z-I-C-K-A-N-D-W-I-C-K. If you're interested, you can tweet at us. Yeah, we we were not one of the millions of people sending out death threats to Jason Sudeikis today. Yes, yes, okay, let's get into it. <laughs> so the beginning of this episode, uh, we start off with the the scout troopers who kidnapped Baby Yoda from, the, from last week. And when they stopped, I was not expecting it to be comedy. Yep. This one was episode, or directed by Taika Waititi, so this one just had his kind of thumbprints, fingerprints all over the episode. So this was the first sign of, of good things to come, was this little banter back and forth between them. It was nice to see. You always wonder. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of millions of stormtroopers out there, even though this is after the Empire is over. But what do they do when they're just waiting around, doing nothing, waiting for their next assignment. They just kind of shoot the crap like anybody else. Yeah, so the, the banter was pretty funny. It was Jason Sudeikis and um, a guy named Adam. I forget his last name. Uh-huh. Um, I picked up on a familiar voice when Jason Sudeikis was talking. I couldn't tell who it was right away, but I knew it was somebody familiar. I thought it might have been Danny McBride at first. That would have been a good choice, too. So Jason Sudeikis' character punches Baby Yoda twice. And when it happened, I gasped. I was like, this is unacceptable. I think you and, you and everybody else that was watching. And then the other guy punches Baby Yoda, too. I, I, like, I'm actually a little offended. Like, I, think it, I thought it was funny, but I also, like, maybe I have a weird morality but like yep. punching babies is might be a little bit too far for me. <laughs> yep, I think everybody is ready for these guys to die after because yeah, Jason Sudeikis gets two little punches in, and then Adam, the other guy, gets a big punch in after he bites his finger. It's like okay, somebody needs to take these guys out. Yeah, yeah. So I I thought it was the banter was funny. I did not care for the star, stormtroopers. Um, shooting at the can or whatever it was. See, I and thought that I thought that was great. But I, I've seen that joke so many times now. I'm like, guys, I I get it. <laughs> so I I liked it at first just because of the whole okay, stormtroopers can't hit anything. But something I I, I read um, throughout the day later was I don't know if you remember at the very end they're shooting, they're shooting, they're shooting, they're not hitting. And Jason Sudeikis' guy holds the blaster up and kind of shakes it and just kind of rattles around. And that was almost kind of a hint that, okay, maybe these guys weren't always bad shots. They just got 
the worst equipment you could ever get. So they, it's not like they were terrible aim. They just had a gun that was faulty from, from the beginning. So gave you something to kind of think about after that. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I just thought it was a gag. I wasn't sure. It was, it was a gag, but I, I like that they threw in the, the kind of the shaking of the, uh, the, uh, the blaster at the very end. Um, well, <laughs> that, that aside, I, I, to be perfectly frank, thought this was a very lukewarm episode for me. I had such great expectations. I had high expectations coming out of the last last episode because it ended on such a note of sus- suspense and a cliffhanger. I thought we were going to get into this episode and it was going to be like intense the entire time and then and then land softly. But the pacing and the shift in tone. Within this episode, it kind of dragged some of the momentum. Well, it basically killed the momentum coming off of last week. And some of the action sequences were cool, but I don't know. I thought it felt very uneven to me. See, I thought I thought this one was good. Definitely not as good as last week. I almost uh, the first thing uh, we we already I already talked about it once with Gus Spring, but it almost thought it was like kind of the same thing with Breaking Bad. The the best episode was not the last episode. It was the third to last episode. It was almost like the setup was better than the payoff. Um, that's kind of what this felt like to me. Um, they do feel like they the um, and I, I feel like I felt this in other episodes with the show that everything almost ends in too too neat of a package at the end. Um, everything's too tidy at the end. I, I like it a little better when there's, like you said, some suspense and drama leading into the next week. Now, it is a season finale. They did give us a little bit of a cliffhanger, but it's not. it wasn't really much of one. It wasn't like a big, a big thing, unless you're just a Star Wars nerd like I am. Okay, so let's just go piece by piece. We're not going to go deep into plot, but we'll talk about some of the highlights of the episode. So when Moff Gideon starts talking to the group, he goes on this long, long dive trap. He sounds he sounds a lot like Gus Fring, except Gus Fring doesn't speak unless he absolutely needs to. Right. But the actual words being spoken, Moff Gideon sounded like a like a very erudite, well spoken person, very smart, but also um, doesn't tolerate any BS and is quick to um, eliminate his enemies and is very pragmatic. But I thought that was cool, but his 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 monologue was going on for a while. <laughs> yeah, it felt like the just kind of the standard villain role where you, you're going to tell the good guy your plan. You're going to you're going to give him this whole monologue like you just said, and it's going to give them time to regroup and figure out what they're going to do. It's like, eh, okay, we've seen this eight million times. Yeah, I I do like the character, but it it did seem like unnecessary. Uh, it's almost like this show is not. I don't think it's marketed or it's for specifically for adults. I think it might or it it might be for either adults who are new to Star Wars or relatively new to Star Wars, or for preteens who are getting into Star Wars. And, and a lot of the storytelling beats are so familiar that they're not taking a lot of risk, and it just doesn't seem like it's it, it's made it's being it's not doing anything innovative that would be specifically for adults who are looking for new and cool. But yeah, 
Yeah, I think I think it kind of goes back to if you go back to interviews with George Lucas, he said he created this this show or this he created the original trilogy for a twelve year old boy, um, and it feels like Dave Filoni and and John Favreau are thinking the same way. What would we want to see as a twelve year old boy? And that's exactly what you said. You just said a preteen. It's not not going to be overly complicated. Don't think into it too much, but you're going to have some cool stuff to go go along with it. Yeah, I could see this being very cool for, you know, preteens. It's yeah. it's very familiar to me. Yeah, it's very cool for if you're very engrossed with the Star Wars canon and, and nerdum like I am. It's it's the the Easter eggs are a lot of fun. Alright, so there's a point in this episode where Baby Yoda uses his force abilities to stop uh, an attack by a, a fire uh, trooper. Flame trooper, yep. Stops a flame trooper from lighting these guys on fire, and he passes out immediately afterward. And in that attack, Mandalorian, Mando, gets hurt. Uh, he and is seemingly dying. He ends up taking off his helmet. Uh, I, I was a little frustrated with this because at, there's a point where Pedro Pascal's face is revealed, and I could see him acting, and he was very expressive. And in that moment, I was like, damn, you know, this guy is a real actor. He's doing a good job acting in this moment. Doing a good job acting is because I could see his face. And it, it kind of bothered me because I was like, what if we could see his face throughout the entire season? How much better would this show be? And we'll never know. It's part of the, you know, it's part of the story that he doesn't review, take off his helmet. But it's such a missed opportunity, I think. Well, I, it is uh, to me. It isn't. It isn't. I think it kind of sets up for later down the road, where season two, season three, however many seasons they do of it. I think there's going to come to a point where his helmet's going to be off with other people when he's fighting, and then that that'll be the payoff. This is just kind of the that that was almost a tease from this episode tease, of yeah. things to come. It is a big like a device to say he's still not ready to fully integrate into society as a regular person that's not a mandalorian so it would have been maybe it would have been a little bit too quick for him to take off his helmet willingly but it it was a nice moment and i kind of wish we could see more of his face while he was acting so oh so baby yoda uses his, his force abilities to stop the attack but he doesn't use his force ability to heal mando and he well Yoda passes out so because he's exhausted from using his his force powers, but he could have helped Mando earlier on. It's like ah, I thought we were going to get it again, but maybe that would have been too convenient. Yeah, no, I think they set it up for. I, I think the way they it all kind of flowed. I, I kind of like how it turned out where they use that his his basically his blocking skill instead show the audience he does have a different skill and then save the set up with the IG unit and taking off the mask and all that stuff. I think I, I, I kind of like how it turned out. Oh yeah. We didn't talk about the IG unit. So the IG unit, I was wrong. I thought the IG unit may have betrayed the group, but I should have known better. The The whole theme of that episode and a lot of the, the, the show is that it's an opportunity for redemption for IG 11 to go from you know, a mercenary that would kill to someone who would help and for him to betray the group would have totally undermined that that theme 
that they're that they're kind of spoon feeding us not spoon feeding us but it's right there in front of us and they're telling us this is the theme of the show why would you why would ig11 betray them yeah but the whole thing is is um the mandalorian he's still putting doubt in your mind that he is that, that's the reason you're thinking that because he his distrust is your distrust so he's yeah, that's i think that's where that's coming from oh, okay well, maybe they're doing a good job of of inceptioning me they, I think they might be. <laughs> so IG-11 saves Baby Yoda, brings Baby Yoda to these guys, and he, IG-11 actually kills a whole bunch of stormtroopers and and is the one that breaks the impasse, essentially. Um, so, one thing that was weird was, like, I don't know how many stormtroopers and death troopers there were, but we go from, like, a few dozen to basically, like, the, the 12 that are 10 or so that are that we see later on in the episode, and then they basically like disappear. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. a little shocked at the end. So, I, I think I think uh, it seemed like IG the IG unit took out a bunch of them, and then Cara Dune when she's laying down cover fire, she she took out half a dozen herself. I mean, I mean, if you went back and did a kill count on that episode, there was it was probably twenty, thirty, forty uh, stormtroopers that got knocked out during that during that whole uh, during the whole episode. Yeah, that that battle. I knew they were they were doing a good job taking them down, but I wasn't able to to visually quantify and and understand that there was only ten left, and those ten were at the exit of that sewer system or that lava river. Right. We're jumping around, obviously. Sorry if you guys are confused by this, but we're just pointing out random bits and highlights of the yeah. from the show and uh so, since we were talking about ig11 one thing i did kind of like and pick up on was if you think about all the other episodes um baby yoda he's seen a lot of i mean he just in these eight episodes he's seen a lot of death and destruction and bad deeds going on and this is the first time anybody's like IG-11 says, I'm, basically, I'm, that was unfortunate you had to see that, or I'm sorry you had to see that. That was the first time anybody's kind of looked out for the well-being, the, the mental well-being of Baby Yoda. That's true. Everyone's just been kind of, oh, he's tough, he can handle it, and then IG-11 actually empathizes with him. and no one, People have been taking care of you, but no one's really been thinking about what it's been like for you. Right. So IG-11... Uh, helps Mando. He treats him with Bacta. So, what do you know exactly what Bacta is? I know it's been in a few like movies and TV shows for Star Wars. Do you know exactly yeah. what it is? So, if I had to compare Bacta to anything, it's um, it's the magic spray. It's soccer. It's basically you spray on, <laughs> spray it on something, and it's uh, you're instantly healed. Uh, I think the first time we see it in anything is Empire Strikes Back when. Luke done with uh, right after his fight with Vader um, gets his hand cut off when he's floating in that tub with just his underwear on as a tub of back of Bacta basically it's basically just like an instant not an instant healing thing but it's like it's like a super healing serum basically one other thing is in um, Rogue One when they show the show uh, Vader floating around that he's in a tub of Bacta supposedly like that's what he would always like when he's not out doing Darth Vader things. He's floating in a tub of Bacta, basically just to kind of help him heal whatever wounds he has the best they can. Obviously, they can't totally be healed, but that's 
that's all it is. It's it's super spray for for the Star Wars universe. It does seem convenient that he that IG Eleven has it and nobody else does. Yeah, I it's kind of ridiculous. I well he's a, so he's a a nurse droid now. He IG Eleven uses the term nurse droid. He's right. reprogrammed to be uh, a nurse droid. I don't know where they got the programming from, but I guess. Um, well, yeah, it was a uh, Quill had to program him that way. Okay, but he programmed him to be a nurse droid. So I guess it makes sense that nurse droids have back to um, on them. So one one thing we 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 did kind of complain about the whole Moff Gideon kind of villain speech. Yeah. The one cool thing was is he did give a lot, he did give some kind of background, some info yes. on the characters. Cara Dune, we learned why she hates the Imperials. She's from Alderaan. She saw her planet get bl- blown up by the Imperials. So pretty pretty good reason for wanting to kill all of them. Yeah. He reveals uh, Mando's name. Did you yep. catch it? It was like Din Djarin. Din Djarin. Yep. And then we also get the whole backstory. We get the whole filled-in backstory with how he gets saved by uh, the Mandalorians the, after when the battle droids are attacking. Um, this was kind of like you had to be uh, kind of tuned in to Rebels and, uh, and Clone Wars. But they do – the Mandalorians he gets saved by is actually a very specific – they show the, the signet on the side of the, the, shoulder, the shoulder plate. It's from uh, House of Isla, which is also called Death Watch. At some point, we'll get into all this kind of the history of it, but these are the, uh, I don't know if they're the bad guys of Mandalorian, but they're the ones who want to, during Clone Wars, they're kind of a peaceful, um, pacifist uh, nation, whatever you want to call them. Um, but these guys want to bring back the old school Mandalorian ways. Uh, they're, so their name is Death Watch, um, and that's who saves the Mandalorian. So that I, I have a feeling there's going to be some tie-ins with that at some point. Moff Gideon refers to it as like what Night of a Thousand Screams or uh, Night of a Thousand Tears, yeah. Night of a Thousand Tears, and this is Din Jardin's home home planet. Yeah, what so planet? that's it's Mandalore. So it's from this. I think it's going to be from the Siege of Mandalore, um, where the Empire basically tries to take over Mandalore. The the actual planet called Mandalore. Um, we don't we don't know yet. That's the first time I'd heard that term. They've talked about it in other episodes about the purge, the, the purge of Mandalore, when the Empire goes and just wrecks shop there. We don't know yet. We don't know what happened. Uh, we just know that it did happen. So I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna learn more in season two. We could potentially learn more in. Um, they do have the new Clone Wars episodes coming out in the spring, but I think that's going to be before. That's going to take place more like when the clone wars happens um the purge of mandalore had to happen somewhere in the last like five to seven years before this um before this series um because if you go back to rebels which was just about seven years before this series uh that the purge the siege of mandalore whatever it's called hasn't happened yet because they're still Mandalorian houses. There's whole episodes focused on that, so it's it obviously hasn't happened yet. So it's happened within the previous seven years of this uh, this series. So okay, so <clears throat> timeout. It is revealed that Mando or Din was not born into like he wasn't born into the the, the religion or the group 
whatever you want to call the Mandalorian group. They called it Creed. Creed. Yeah, he wasn't born into the Mandalorian Creed. But the planet is called Man- Mandalore. So there are there, people who live on Mandalore who are not in the creed of Mandalorians. At least in back in back in the Clone Wars when they show Mandalore, there's totally different rules then because everybody's walking around with helmets off and there's not none of this. This is the way and all that stuff. It's just it's like it's a normal planet. It's that's all it is. And then they do have other. They do have other planets that are connected to them, um, kind of like states or, or territories. But, yeah, it's it's totally different than what's going on in this show. All right. Well, I was a little bit confused by that, but I didn't realize that they were on the same planet as the Mandalorians. Mando is, is rescued by the Mandalorians, and we so we, we basically see his origin story. I was like, okay, I get this. Let's move on. But... I can see how people that are new to I can see people who are who are not have not been exposed to the Mandalorian lore or have any understanding of of the Mandalorians could could may need some of that that origin story. This is some of the stuff I've been, I was complaining about. The tone and pacing was was bumpy for me and this was one sequence where I was like this is all exposition this is all filling in backstory, and I just wanted to get to the the plot, the main plot of the present tense. Yeah, and kind of the the reason I think I like the episode a little more than you did is because I do have kind of the history with all the with all the shows and all the backstory. So this this thing was littered with just backstory from Clone Wars, backstory from Rebels, backstory from some of the comics. It was it was almost like christmas day for somebody who's like been putting all this time exactly it was like it it didn't tie everything together but it it was it was fun it was that's where i got the most fun out of this episode is if you did have all the the history with this with all the different series okay so let's move towards the um let's touch on the they, they okay so they go into the sewers and they run into the blacksmith all the other mandalorians that were on this planet have died. They died because they exposed themselves to help Mando earlier on in the season, and the Imperials killed them off, except for the blacksmith. The blacksmith gives them some background on on what happened. Um, she basically tells Mando what he needs to do in the future with Baby Yoda, because Baby Yoda. So okay, this is a part where I was. This is new information. It was cool. But I was I was confused. She says that the Mandalorians in the past were at war with the Jedi. Is that yep. true? And it, well, so they actually. This is another little just kind of Easter egg. You can hear me smiling right now about it. This is um, this is a direct callback to it wasn't canon before, but it uh, maybe it is now. Was the Knights of the Old Republic that happened during the jedi mandalorian wars like thousands of years ago the jedi and the mandalorian fought each other this was never something really talked about in any kind of canon material but it was talked about in the video game knights of old republic and it seems like that might be canon now so um yeah that's where that's where a little bit of this came from 
Huh. Okay. Well, I was just a little surprised. I couldn't remember that from the bits I've seen from Rebels, Clone Wars. They do talk about it a little bit in Clone Wars. Um, and if we if we do do something later, I may kind of like come up with a list of like, okay, if you want some backstory, here's the episodes of. Obviously, everybody that's watching this has Disney Plus now, so you can easily go to these episodes of Rebels, these episodes of Clone Wars, and get kind of the backstory on what's going on. Uh, so this takes place between episode six and episode seven. So between the Battle of Endor and before the Force Awakens. Right, so but this. Yeah, but it's it's much closer to it's supposed to be five years after episode six, so it's yeah. So there's so the they, val- even, they don't do they realize that the that the Jedi still exist, or they it, well there's only <laughs> I guess it just depends who you are and where you're at because if um so because uh, the Jedi yeah I mean if you think about it so if this is five years after um. It, after Return of the Jedi, and Return of the Jedi is what a couple years, three years after after A New Hope, and that's 19 years after Clone Wars ends, or after after Revenge of the Sith. That's 19 plus three plus five is 27 years. I mean, that's a pretty long time. So yeah, I mean, a lot of people probably have forgotten about them at this point, especially if you're out in the Outer Rim or Outer Territories or Wild Wild Space. You're where the Jedi weren't seen as much. Yeah, or they could just think that the Order 66 really did wipe out all the Jedi, and yeah. they just don't think they they exist anymore. <clears throat> yeah. So the blacksmith says that, oh, the, the Force, the powers that this Baby Yoda, that Baby Yoda has been using, are reminiscent of Jedi powers. But the Mandalorian Creed says that if you have a foundling, you either need to raise it as your own and it becomes a Mandalorian or bring it bring it back to its its people. Um, and she says that Baby Yoda is too old. Is that what she says? Too old or too powerful to uh, be raised she, as a Mandalorian? She says too old, which is a little weird. It's almost like what they talked about younglings and Jedi. Like you can't want you to get past a certain age. They don't want to train you anymore. Yeah, but it's Baby Yoda is 50 years old, but he's also still a baby. They took in Din and raised him to be a Mandalorian, so that part was a little confusing. I was like, well, you know, Din was probably what 10 years old whenever he was rescued. What's right. The- it's probably like a selective thing. They're like, yeah, well, you're you're a 10 year old human, we'll take you, but you're a 50 year old little baby alien. I'm not sure we're gonna take you. So they basically are just setting up what we're going to see in season two. Yep. I, I agree. Yeah. We're going to find out whether or not baby Yoda's species that still exists. We're going to be wandering around the galaxy looking for other baby Yodas going towards the end of this, this episode. We have a final battle with, uh, it's not really a battle. They're in a, a sewer system or like a lava stream. that's underground. They're trying to escape from the stormtroopers and Moff Gideon. And they encounter about 10 or so stormtroopers at the end of the river. It's kind of like a tunnel. And at the mouth of the tunnel, there are these stormtroopers hidden. 
essentially IG-11 sacrifices himself to kill off these stormtroopers. When they get out of the tunnel, the only one that's left is Moff Gideon. And Mando uses his jetpack, which was given to him by the blacksmith, to... Yeah, so he, he latches on with a grappling hook to the TIE fighter. He pulls himself in. First, he tries to go and shoot shoot into the, the top of the top hatch. It's not working. So then uh, Moff Gideon's trying to, like, flail around, like, just do different maneuvers to get him off. So he gets knocked over to the wing. Um, while he's holding on to the wing, basically holding on for life, he's got three um, thermal detonator charges. He tries to get the first one on. He drops it. It explodes in the air. He gets the last two on, so it, it blows the wing up. It doesn't destroy the ship, but it blows the wing up, and it it crashes, and then he kind of just – he doesn't fly off. He starts falling off it, and just – he uses a jetpack at the very end just to kind of steady himself as he lands. Yeah, so the key points in this sequence is Mando has a jetpack. He's basically 100% Mandalorian now. He gets a sigil from the blacksmith, which is a mudhorn. Right. She says something like, there are two of you now. She she says you're a clan of two, um, you and the, the young the foundling, because he helped you. Basically, she didn't he didn't want to accept it at first because he thought he was getting when he did fight the mudhorn. He didn't want to accept the signet because he thought he was getting help from an enemy that didn't know he was an enemy. And now he's not an enemy anymore. So they're basically they're they're a clan of two, him and Baby Yoda. Maybe the question for the next season will be, is Baby Yoda going to be a de facto Mandalorian, or will he leave and actually rejoin his people? Good question. We're going to find out. That that kind of concludes the episode. Um, the, the, the one bit that happens at the very end, after Moth Gideon is taken down, you, Mando and Grief and Kara and everybody think that he's dead or basically incapacitated. But it turns out that Moff Gideon is still alive. We have a little coda at the end where we see Moff Gideon climbing out of his TIE fighter, and he's indeed alive. He uses a lightsaber slash sword to get out of the TIE fighter. And this sword is not the first time we've seen this sword. It is a special sword, and it comes from, Zach, you want to tell him? Yep, I almost got as excited. So this is called the Dark Saber. I almost got as excited about this as when I first saw Baby Yoda. This is what I was talking about, just payoff from watching too much Rebels and too much Clone Wars. It, it first shows up in Clone Wars. Um, a Mandalorian has it. Um, he takes over. I, we can go through a whole history lesson, but this is kind of like the, the weapon that should unite Mandalore. Because um, Mandalore has a bunch of different like houses and factions that they're all kind of at war with each other. And this is the sword that should unite them all. Um, it's gone through Clone Wars. Um, it shows up again in Rebels. Darth Maul has it for a while. It's, it's kind of got a crazy backstory through the last 10 years of material that's come out. And now to see it in, it, as soon as it poked through, like, the, the little sliver that came through the TIE fighter, I just I, I got all excited. It didn't even take like three inches of it getting out of the, the TIE fighter. I knew exactly what it was, and I I would like it. When's the last time we saw the Darksaber? So the last time we saw it was at the towards the end of Rebels. It's in the last season. Sabine Wren has it. 
It's actually, so they basically got it from Darth Maul back on his homeworld at Dathomir because he was the one who was kind of keeping it for a while. But Sabine Wren has it, and then she actually hands it off to a character named Bo-Katan, who is the sister of the sister of the person that was in charge of Mandalore during the Clone Wars that was actually killed by Darth Maul. I'm going to come up with a list of just like all the just the different arcs and disparate episodes you need to watch to kind of get the backstory of it. But there was I mean, there's probably a solid 20 episodes where this thing is maybe not the focal point, but it's it's one of the main focal points of the arc and the in the episode. So just that the last time we saw it, it, it was with, um, quote unquote, the good guys. It so was with not- the, Yes, it was with the Mandalorians on Mandalore. And that was about two years before, two years before New, uh, or actually it's probably about a year before New Hope. So it's probably been nine years before this. So that's what I, I'm thinking. The sea, not the siege of Mandalore, but the, the pur, the Mandalorian purge, has happened sometime in the in the last nine years. You can kind of piece it together because Moff Gideon had to get it somehow, and he got it by probably wrecking shop in at Mandalore is how he got it. Okay, so we're basically either going to see it in a flashback or we're going to have an entire season or a few episodes dedicated to this purge, and we're going to see what happens to the Darksaber. Yeah, I think that, yeah, they've been setting it up too much through the, they've talked about the purge in multiple episodes, and we're going to, we're going to get some kind of history on it. And you're excited, aren't you? I am excited. (laughs) Okay. Let's see, I, I I think we touched on all the major points from the episode. Overall, I thought it was okay. A lot of Easter eggs and, and connecting the dots and stuff, and that's cool. But I could tell they were trying to resolve a lot of the questions and then also set up for the future. I don't know, I, I get a little frustrated by that, but I am a harsh critic. I can recognize that, that it had a lot of cool cool aspects that people would be excited about uh, i'm okay with i the the thing i was kind of like i give it a pass on is when you're making a tv show you don't know if you're getting past the first season <laughs> what's uh, yeah they probably knew but they weren't 100 percent sure so i mean it was still like this was still a disney plus is brand new they've never had a star wars streaming show of course, it turned out to be a big hit, but they, they you, you just don't know till it happens. So they wanted to have something kind of safe wrapped up in a bow at the end that, okay, here it is. This is kind of a self-contained story, and it, and it worked, but we're not going to do another one. Obviously, they're going to do another one. They'll probably do another series or another season and another season because I think people are going to keep eating it up. So the so for me, I, I the reason I rated it a little better than you uh, just is the payoffs from previous material, the Easter eggs. So I, I liked it quite a bit. Obviously, I don't think it was as good as Episode 7, probably on par with like Episode 1 and 2, not as good as Episode 3. If, I, if I'm just doing like a quick power ranking, those are my top five. It's Episode 7, Episode 3, and then this one, Episode 1 and 2, are, are right in that, uh, right in the battle for 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Yeah, and I'm also nitpicking and overcritical, so don't ever listen to me. The only other two things that I thought were interesting that came out of the episodes, they getting a little bit more story on Grief Karga's background, because they do he does, um, when he's going through his villain speech, he does address him as disgraced magistrate. 
Yes. So what exactly was he before all this happened? So what's the magistrate? Is that a term within Star Wars that should be known? No, it's not really a term. Like the only thing I could think of is at first I almost thought it was royalty, but then I'm like, yeah, it couldn't. It could just be like a. He could have been like the sheriff of this of an area or like the the lead like. I don't know, like the heads, he could have been a really, he could, could have been a good guy before all this happened. I've done some research and it, it sounds like obviously it's part of, part of the governmental structure of the empire, but I'm not sure if it's clear. Yeah. And the, but then the fact that they call him disgrace magistrate, did he, what you bring up, did he, did he rebel from the empire? Did he revolt against the empire? What, what, what is his bad? backstory so it gave him a little bit more a little more something to chew on the only other thing i wrote down was um that i i don't know if this is connected to anything but they they talked about grief talks about going to a mind flayer the first thing that popped into my head was stranger things i'm like okay that was kind of a weird term to use but then you start thinking about mind flayer okay it could be could be somebody with force abilities that's going to come in and basically enter your brain kind of like kylo ren does to to Ray and in the Force Awakens is kind of th- those are the kind of the two thoughts that went through my head. Mm. So I don't know, just something interesting to think about. So lots of things for the future, basically. Exactly. But sounds like the next phase of the Mandalorian will be focused on bringing back Baby Yoda to its people, to its species, wherever they may be. We don't even know. It's a whole new world that's, that's untapped that we can yeah. discover as a as a group. Yeah, and uh, and George Lucas made a big point about keeping Yoda very mysterious, like all through episodes four, five, six, one, two, three, even the Clone Wars. They don't. They never wanted to reveal his species, even the, the name of the species. So if they're going to kind of reverse course and actually dive into it, that's almost like going against the creator's wishes on this but we'll see if that's where they go uh yeah i i see what you're what you're saying i wonder almost if george lucas must have given their blessing because this is a pretty stark in stark contrast to his marching orders previously given so it might be and we still have the uh the widow waiting on whatever planet that was with that child and maybe he'll go back to her at some point, but they may be saving that for the very, very end, the conclusion of this show altogether. Yeah, yeah, we don't, we have no idea how many se- or how many seasons it's going to go at this point. I mean, obviously, season two got announced today, so it'll be fall of next year. Um, or like we knew it was coming, but it actually got kind of an official release window for next fall. Was it announced? Yeah, so John uh, John Favreau put a tweet out today that it's fall 2020, it'll be out. Oh, that's pretty quick. They must have known they were going to do it, and they must have some material that they're they're writing presently or going to write soon. Yeah. Because that's pretty quick if you are unsure about its return. Yeah, there was an interview a couple months ago where uh, John Favreau said he already had a lot of the second season written whether he didn't know it was going to happen or not but he said he already had a lot of it written okay so for the people listening out there we don't have any planned episodes coming up of zick and wick but zach and i will be talking offline and we'll figure out if you want to do a special episode maybe we'll do a special episode where we talk about the history of the mandalorians and 
the episodes of Rebels and Clone Wars and all the other instances where Mandalorians pop up, talking about their backstory a little bit more. But for now, we don't have any timeline for uh, recurring episodes. That said, we've had a good time doing this. I, maybe I'm speaking for myself. I had a good time doing this. I, I love talking about Star Wars whenever I can. Uh, we will be back at some point. When that will occur, who knows? But it's been a blast, and just want to thank you for listening. And may the force be with you, Zach. And also with you. <laughs> and right back at you. There you go. <laughs> All right. For Zach, this is Chad, and we're signing off. Thank you again. <laughs>